All right. We are going to do a podcast about Star Trek Picard Season 3. Because... Because <laughs> why not? Because <laughs> why not? <laughs> House of the Dragon doesn't come out with Season 2 until 2024. Ugh. And I had this impending feeling, impending feeling of doom, seeing how old these guys are and knowing that this is the last Next Generation outing there's going to be. And since we already do a very popular podcast... <laughs> About some TV shows, I was like, well, maybe we should do this. I found season one and two of Picard to be pretty disappointing. They both started strong, but they weren't very good, all in all. But uh, but regardless, here we are. Well, you, you and I have both a very deep appreciation, I think, for Star Trek in general, but particularly the next generation out of uh, all the shows. Your favorite, though, might be Deep Space Nine, though, right? Well, my Star Trek bonafides are actually middlingly impressive. Um, I've watched Next Generation every episode many times, probably two to four times, because uh, when I was a kid, we had it all on VHS, (laughs) (laughs) recorded from the TV. So I watched that several times, and then I watched it twice as an adult through, because when I worked from home as a day trader, it was on TNT. They had every day two episodes of Frasier, two episodes of Next Generation, and Deep Space Nine. So while I was working, I would watch all that. And then you and I watched it through as adults, and you had seen some of it as a kid. I grew up watching it as a kid, but there were a lot of things I remembered and a lot of things I did not. Um, and But when you and I watched it, we did cherry pick some episodes. You had actually used a guide that said, these are the best ones to, to definitely watch. So that we didn't watch every single one. Um, but I remember us saying, and I think we were watching it, what, around like 2010-ish? And we, I remember we were both saying then that it held up pretty well for being an 80s show. Yeah, the first two seasons of Next Generation are pretty bad. Um, and the first two seasons of Deep Space Nine are pretty bad. <laughs> and the first two seasons of Picard are kind of bad. So it takes most Star Trek shows a while to get their bearing. I remember you tried. we tried watching the original one. And I think I made it like one episode and I was like, I can't. I just, I can appreciate for what it is and I can't. I think you continued. Yeah, I like the original. I, I like them all. I've seen all the movies many times. I'm a small T Trekkie. Yeah, I'm a medium T Trekkie. Yeah. So for all of you listeners out there, if we got a real hardcore Trekkie out there that's going to notice all our mistakes or misrememberings of the timelines and all that, uh, apologies in advance. But I'm fairly confident that I, I have some good, uh, good inputs here. But anyways, um, so we're doing the first two episodes because despite all appearances, we are not professional podcasters and we did not get stuff (laughs) together in time to do it one episode at a time. Oh, I do want to add that we went to the Comic-Con version here in Chicago. Oh, I can't. It's within the last decade, but we went and we actually had the ability to see the entire main cast of The Next Generation at a panel that was, I'll use this word loosely, moderated by William Shatner. And that was pretty neat. And I remember we did meet and speak with um, uh, Worf. Michael Dorn. Michael Dorn, yeah. Yeah. Really nice guy, from yeah. what I remember. I was like, when we were watching, I was like, oh, I remember being that guy. I like him. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the benefits of us doing the first two episodes together, um, even though my, my notes are a total mess, is that... They had two, in the second episode, two reveals that I thought they were going to tease all season. And I'm glad they got right to them. So 
after we watched the first episode, I was like, all right, they're going to have this mystery as is this Picard's son or not? And we still don't know that for sure, but it, it seems to be right now. Well, he blatantly says it at the end of episode two here. Yeah, and Riker's um, like, uh, come on, dude, <laughs> you know. Um, well, and, and you asked me before the episode started what I thought of this, and I poo-pooed it pretty fast. I was like, nah, no. Yeah. That, that, the timelines don't add up, and no. Well, timelines do add up, but Picard and Riker are both quite elderly at that time. I mean, um, not that that can't happen. It just, yeah. the timing of it just didn't make sense of their characters and things to me. Like, not only are they older, which... That's not so much my issue. It's just where they all these characters are for this to happen. And I guess they'll have to reveal why Dr. Crusher felt like, you know, she had to deprive Picard of being any part of his own son's life, if that is in fact true. Or if it's like she's got genetic material that she used so that she could have another child. Well, Picard seemed, when he acknowledged it and figured it out, I mean, they must have had sex at least once. Uh, 20 years prior. Um, yeah. But so the, it can't be like uh, um, the movie with, uh, with Tom, Tom Hardy, yeah. that kind of Shinzon. thing. Well, yeah. It could be. So they've had several episodes and movies and things that kind of relate to the possibility that Picard might have a child because he's the last of the Picards. His uh, brother died in a fire and their children died and he doesn't have any kids. And that's kind of his, like, his story. So it has been talked about many times and i thought they were going to tease around it the whole season so my original point is that it's kind of nice to do this podcast after the second episode because they got that out in the air right away and we can talk more about that later but the other thing they got out in the air which i was afraid we'd have to like have a mystery all season was who is rafi talking to and what is this thing pretending to be starfleet intelligence or whatever turns out it was Worf. we'll see how that works out um he looked badass yeah <laughs> i don't know what i think about him coming in and just chopping heads off uh, you know, in traditional Star Trek, they had stun guns <laughs> and things like and, that. And didn't swear. And yeah. Yeah. I don't really like the swearing because it just takes me out of the the mode of what Star Trek is traditionally. I but, think it's important to note if anyone is actually listening to this and doesn't know much about Star Trek in general, that, that Star Trek, like the first show came out was only out for like one or two seasons then got canceled did three seasons um and then it was something that became really popular after it was canceled and then because of that popularity two decades later the next generation came and it got revived and then that kind of really solidified it as a a true thing but of note of the original one it it did what was considered controversial at the time it's got the first interracial kiss but it also brought forth a lot of notions that I don't think were common even for decades for a lot of other shows, let alone something that could be popular. And I think it's the huge appeal for a lot of people. And I, I think a big part of it is kind of like different races and uh, of throughout the galaxy being able to come together and form agreements and, and a better way of life, too. Like, there's no starvation in, in the world of Star Trek. Well, at least in Starfleet world, it seems that the further you go out, the things get more shady. So yeah. like wherever they are on this planet where people are doing drugs and they use money, she said, and things like that. So it's, it's Starfleet is a socialist utopia, but out there in the, <laughs> whatever they had out there in the wilderness. To, to bring it back to what we were just talking about though, it, it's much grittier now what we're seeing in, in the Picard series and what the, the Star Treks that have come out in the last 
like 40 years it's or 30 years um but compared to where the original and and the next generation where it was it was still kind of kumbaya a bit and so to even have swearing in some of these other aspects it is a little bit different from the nostalgia i think of what we were initially exposed to yeah gene roddenberry who started star trek had a I don't know what you call it, in order, all, all the episodes, there couldn't be interpersonal conflict because humans had evolved past that. So that's why a lot of the stories are pretty stupid, <laughs> like with all these like holodeck bad guys and like stuff like that. So when he died, the showrunners um, moved away from that, which, you know, violated his vision, but it also made for much better TV. Yeah. So that's where Deep Space Nine got really good. But it is kind of jarring to see, you know... uh Raffi, whose character I don't particularly care for, and the first two seasons, uh, I didn't really like watching her, but she's doing a good job, the actresses, of being kind of strung out. We don't really know wh- what she's doing or how, how affected she is by the drugs and whatnot. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of her storyline. I don't really have that much to say about it. Because Worf showed up, I'm a little more interested in it than I probably would have been. Mm-hmm. All right, well, this show seems more like instead of a season three, it seems kind of like a soft reboot to me. Yeah. Um, The music is different. It has much more of the traditional Star Trek music. And it's kind of, it got rid of last season, a lot of the actors from Picard 1 and 2. So it's basically like, "Eh, we tried something different. Don't know if it really worked or not. I actually forgot about some of them already. Yeah. Um, And and I, I feel like they're taking it more seriously. Already in these first two episodes, I feel like they're taking this opportunity of... Patrick Stewart still being alive and able to act and agreeing to this, that they're actually making this better. Yeah. I mean, he didn't want to come back and just do another Star Trek show. So they did try to do something different, but nobody wants to see that. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, I, we do want to see it. You just have to do it well. And I think the problem is, is I, I agree with your assessment. It, it started off pretty good, seasons one and two. But then it, it became like a... And you can often tell by the enthusiasm we have to come and watch the next episode and finish it. We even fell behind with Picard season two and it felt like we had to really push ourselves to do it. Or at least I did. Yeah. And I wanted to finish it, but we finished it for the sake of finishing, or at least I did not because I was invested anymore. Well, and the best part of season one and possibly season two, also the whole previous thing is the one episode or two episodes where Riker showed up. Yeah. Um, that was like by far the most pleasant thing to watch. So there, I really like in season three how Picard and Riker, it's like a buddy movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Danny Glover and Mel Gibson. The hierarchy isn't there anymore since they're retired or whatever. And they're treating each other more like old friends. And I think they're doing a good job. That's that's fun to watch. Yeah. There, there's something kind of neat for us too uh, not that this really means anything but uh once upon a time for halloween you were riker and i was seven of nine and they never are on the same episode or show really and now we have both yeah that's true so i kind of feel like hey it wasn't that far off that we were dressing up as these characters together although that, that doesn't mean anything <laughs> well and seven of nine was the other good thing about the first two seasons yeah and the best part of voyager are well, I don't know if I'd go that far. A good part of Voyager. So I'm glad to see her. She's great. Um, the actress, Jerry Ryan, is great. Yeah, I continue to like her character. I liked it before, and I like it now. Yeah. All right, well, the adventure starts with Beverly and Jack Crusher. Beverly is a 
killing people, which is not usually her thing. I mean, it's self-defense or whatnot, but she... Uh, she she's gotten like pretty badass here in terms of warfare. Yeah, whatever her mission is to get medical supplies to these planets or whatever. We don't know what hers is. Yeah. We actually have no idea as of this point what that is. Right, and her son um, is... You know, but we we do know we are seeing an aspect of her character that we have never seen before, and this is remarked upon by Riker and Picard when they come to her ship that this isn't the Beverly we know. Right, and Jack Crusher. Jack Crusher was the name of Beverly's ex-husband who died, and Wesley's father. Um, and Picard and Jack were friends, so there's a lot of uh, stuff there that they're they're building up on uh, a lot of history. And the casual viewer wouldn't know any of that, um, and I don't think you have to know it, but interesting to think about and interesting the name that they gave him and that they gave him a British accent. (laughs) 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 Uh, Wherever that came from. I I did (laughs) think about it, um, that 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 was a purposeful casting choice. Yeah, just to make him more Picard-like, I suppose, even though he was raised in space with his mother um, and her American accent. One thing I found interesting is is in this episode, too, where Riker's like, come on, can't you see this? I thought that Jack Crusher was acting more like Riker than Picard. <laughs> Riker is more the impulsive, kind of quick to throw a punch, not sit in a seat like any other human being would kind of guy. Where Picard does have, you know, some of that, but he was much more calculated and restrained. And so... I get what they were doing because they were trying to put it out there for us as an audience, but I, I didn't see it as maybe this is more. Well, Picard seems to be in, seemed to be in denial about it. Um, but right. I guess it could have just been exposition. They got to explain. Or he's going off of like physical characteristics. Like you don't see the resemblance. Well, right. Obviously that's what Riker was saying, but I'm, I'm saying to your point that they're just telling the audience that could be the way they introduce it. But why Picard would be in denial about it, especially if they did have a relationship 20 years prior well, I think part of that could be, why wouldn't she have told me? Yeah. Yeah, so what happened to Beverly is a big mystery that, that will unwind. Who knows? I, I yeah. thought some of these would unwind throughout the season, but maybe we'll find out exactly next episode. I kind of like that they didn't make it be the whole season. Yeah, me too. Because it leaves room for them to explore so many more things if this is the only season we get with all of these people. Yeah. And then um, also the episode starts off. So once it introduces us to Jack and Beverly and what's going on there, we see that Picard... So he gets a distress call from Beverly, and he um, he and Riker are both feeling uh, they want to get back out to space. They're bored in retirement as old men. Troy even is mad at Riker for apparently feeling this. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, yeah, I didn't like that. That yeah. bothered me a little bit because it, it carries a lot of significance, especially after the, bringing back Riker and Troy uh, in Picard Season 2. Uh, season one. Or season one, yeah. And, and making it seem like they've got this happy family and doing that to us and then now changing it up again. Like, well, I didn't like that. And then without any follow-up, like, is this just like, oh, you're going to bomb drop that and then not ask more, Picard? Like, you guys are friends now. You're not going to be like, hey. But he even said he, it wasn't just Deanna. He also, I think, said his kid. Well, I don't know if you remember in season one, they Deanna wasn't, they were a little broken because their son died, their kid died. And they rigged up the house to be very protective of their other kids. So they had like shields at the house and stuff like that. And Riker was very confined. So I, I guess what I'm saying is that it's not out of nowhere that, that the relationship is strained like this. Because um, Deanna was very broken up about losing a kid and was really protectful of the other one. 
And I'm sure that this will be explored further and Dana will probably show up and everything. Oh, and that's my other thing is I sure hope so. Yeah. Because that would really annoy me if they use that and then that we don't get Deanna. Right. But the... But right. So they're both want to get back out into space, essentially. And this is something that happened in like Kirk's story arc also. Like, you know, these guys, they're just... They want the adventure even though they're <laughs> looking a little... <laughs> This is one of those things where just so everyone knows, you see Jay's face when he said that of like, yeah. (laughs) It's a little hard for me to watch, I'm going to be honest. Uh, Well, how old is Patrick Stewart? Yeah, he's younger than William Shatner, which is pretty amazing. But, I mean, Um, I think he's close to 90 years old. uh, Hang on. Okay, we we just asked. (laughs) Alexa just told us he's 82, which is not young. He's President Biden's age. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and so it's funny because when we're looking at battle scenes, it is a little interesting for me. And in this episode, too, where he's putting on the, um, what's the thing where they move? Uh, the trans... The transporter. The transporter. And he's doing that. The transporter that. blockers. Yeah, yeah, he's doing that, and which makes sense for his character to think in that way because he's clearly not going to be good in hand-to-hand and that sort of thing. But I remember I did feel a little bit of like, uh, unless they had technology to compensate for this... I mean, him just falling over could seriously injure him. <laughs> well, keep in mind that he is synthetic. The real Picard died in oh. season one. So he is a robot that's supposed to age the same as Forgot if he didn't die. Yeah. about that. Okay, that's a very important thing here, I think, for everyone. But, well, it shouldn't matter. So his synthetic body is supposed to be the same as his body would have been. He's supposed to live to 100. That was, like, part of the thing. But Riker looks old, too. And, I mean, they joke about it, right? Riker's like, my knees, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's kind of funny in Star Trek, they, the tech always uh, fluctuates up and down, right? It's like they're getting hurt by these like phasers, but in previous Next Generation episodes, Beverly would just have this like little thing that she would scan and it would close the skin and all that. So the level of tech seems to fluctuate. Yeah. And also these like rifle phasers are way shittier than their regular phasers they used to have. Regular phasers you could put on like wide beam and you could shoot through like a mountain and all this stuff. But now they got these like cannons that just are worse than bullets. But whatever. More exciting to look at, I suppose. Well, in episode one, we see Dr. Crusher uh, completely uh, annihilate the those aliens that came on board. Yeah. It, it's, you get hit with it and it's done. It completely turns you to ash. It's it's basically Buffy the Vampire Slayer killing a vampire. You're you're dusted. But it can't go through like uh, cargo. That Correct. They use it, right. Yeah. Uh, Which I could buy. They maybe have tech that only goes after like organic. Well, I could buy too or... if we didn't have phasers in the first <laughs> bunch of episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation that were way better. Uh, but doesn't matter. What do you think about the darkness of the ships? So this is something that's been trending since DS9. So Next Generation uh, Bridge looks like a hotel in the 80s. Um, (laughs) So accurate. (laughs) But then um, the new movies, the J.J. Abrams movies, the bridge looks like an Apple store. It's like bright and white and stuff. And then in this show and in Discovery, everything is real dark. The bridge is dark. Everything is dark. Do you, do you have an opinion on that? Um, my first thought was psychologically for the crew, it's probably better to not have it be dark all the time because it's like you're living in a movie theater compared to you know a, a, a garden or sunroom kind of thing. Um, that's mainly where my thoughts are. I, I have a feeling it's probably a metaphor that they're taking 
the plot and some themes coming forward in a darker place. So it fits. And J.J. Abrams did do that. So it, it matches in that sense. J.J. did what? The Oh, no, he did not. But he did have darker themes. He, I, when I think of J.J. Abrams' um, ships, I remember the Romulan one being very dark. Yeah. But I feel like when I look back on other species' ships... The darkness is there. Like, I want to say Klingon ships were dark and Romulan ones were dark. But this is one where I'm like, I don't know if my memory is Well, no, the bad guy ships always look like the bad guy ship did in this one. Like, it's smoky inside and (laughs) and dark and everything. But now the Federation ships... she's literally smoking in it. Right. (laughs) But now the Federation ships look all dark. She just needs, like, a hairless cat to pet. Or a cat. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'm not sure what... uh, what I think about the darkness, I think it looks cool. Yeah. I'm just not sure what I think about it for the overall Star Trek universe, for the for the Federation to, to be taking that on. But all right, so a bunch of stuff happens, and they end up on the Titan, which was Riker's ship. I don't know if you caught that. He was the captain of the Titan after the Enterprise. And there was a whole... Well, that's why they chose it, right? Because it used to be a ship. So he's not just coming to any old ship to try and find one to head out there to find Dr. Crusher. He, he he's going to his old ship, which I think is important because it gives him more of a chance to do what they did. And there'd be some loyalty of the actual staff to him. Yeah, I couldn't tell who on the crew served under him or not because we have Jordy's daughter, which did not serve under him. Um, but Jordy's daughter does know that her dad served with him and under Picard. And so... Right, but I'm just saying we have Jordy's daughter, Seven of Nine... And Captain Shaw, and none of them were under Riker. So we don't know exactly how long ago it was that Riker was the captain of the ship. Well, and there is an actor here that I have noticed in the way that they filmed. I am I recognize him from Fast and the Furious. <laughs> um, so I can look up who this actor is. But I recognize his face. I recognized him. He's one of the bridge crew. So when Picard and Riker first come on and they're they're going through a line of, of, of crew members. One, this is a more well-known actor than just some random person they're casting as an extra, which is automatically going to make an audience be more likely to recognize him. So I did. Um, he's not super well-known where I can remember his name right now, but I, he's been around where a lot of these other people, I, I've never seen them before. So that already makes him stand out. And then they showed his face looking at him, at them going by. So I remember this from episode one. And then we see him again here in episode two. He's there at some point in episode two here when some stuff is going on. I, I caught it again. So I'm pretty so sure. he's a bridge crew member. Yes. And he's a human. But, he, but like when they first came on, they weren't on the bridge. And they were all lined up when they first came on the ship, uh, Riker and Picard. So I have a feeling he's playing a role with something yet. And, and we don't know. So the Titan, there's a whole book series that follows Captain Riker on the Titan and stuff. So there's a whole history of that. I haven't read any of that, but it's um, this is sticking within Star Trek lore and, and stuff that we've had from the other stories. Okay, so I just looked it up. His name is Chad Lindbergh, and he, he is in Fast and the Furious. He was Jesse in that, but he is, um, where does it say? Let's talk about her. Uh, Ensign Foster. So Chad Lindbergh, who's played Ensign Foster, I have recognized him here, and now I've just confirmed on IMDb. So I have a feeling he his character means something. We just don't know what. And maybe it's related to Riker's time on the Titan. One thing I love that they did do, they've done in other shows too, where you get people who are captains, and someone says, Captain, and they're like, yes, and they all respond at yeah. the same time. And 
What was interesting here, though, is both the current captain of Titan and Riker responded, but not Picard. I, I wasn't sure if Picard responded or not. I didn't. I didn't oh. catch it, but I. I did uh, think. Anyways, yeah, I got the scene you're talking about, but I wasn't sure if Picard responded. But um, all right, yeah. So we'll keep an eye on that ensign. And then, what do you think about this Captain Shaw character? You know, it's funny because I know at different times throughout different Star Trek series, we see different captains and their approaches. And, you know, you like some better than others. And, of course, we're, we're, we're pulled to like people like Picard better or whoever is the main subject of that particular show to like them better than other captains. Um, this guy is really someone like he's not likable at all. And so every time he's on, I'm like, why is this guy a captain? Like, seriously, like he's not loved by crew. Like this is one of those promotions that I don't understand because it's not just your intellectual prowess and the ability to remember the Star Trek manual. It's also, can you be a general and can people follow you with respect and desire for that? And this is someone like, I don't know if anyone in the crew follows his orders except for because they have to. So that's something where I just don't get why he's a captain. Yeah, I have a feeling we're going to learn a lot more about him. Um, well, I, and that, that enemy ship captain, I'm forgetting if we know the name yeah, yet of it. The, Honey Bunny. The bou- yeah, Honey Bunny from Pulp Fiction. Um, the bounty hunter, she made a comment of like, looking at your profile, it's amazing that you're still put together or something here. Right. So that tells us two things. One, his history is probably going to be kind of interesting that they'll, they'll lead us into. Makes me wonder if he's so... Um, risk adverse and by the book because maybe something happened that he was responsible for and people died you know when he was a commander or something but then also she has access to his profile which mm-hmm. is um i don't know how she would get that but that's not a good sign and it kind of <laughs> nobody seemed to notice <laughs> yeah but it's funny though because like in fairness here he is not a one-sided character already in these two episodes and why i say that is if he stayed true just this one-dimensional aspect that we're introduced to, he would never have come and rescued Riker and Picard. Yeah. And not only does he do that, he does actually choose to fight at some point when Picard says, no, we can't do this. That's my son. He still could be like, too bad, so sad, but doesn't. And so we are seeing elements of him actually that remind us of Picard and Riker and, and these things. And so I at least appreciate that the show is trying to add dimension to some characters here. Um, well, he's also right. Maybe not with the stuff with Jack Crusher, but with, uh, they're like, oh yeah, we got to go to this place and we got to do all this stuff. And he's like, no, <laughs> like, well, why, why would he do all that stuff? No, and, and I agree with you. I think he is right. And he, he, he's got some excellent points that I, I hope they flesh out later because basically he, he said, we don't stand a chance. We are at great, great real risk and possibility of sacrificing this entire ship and its crew against this other ship and over what? And so I actually think he was making sound decisions. He just was doing it in such a dick way that like can yeah, take there, away from that. But he, he was being a really good captain. There's no way Starfleet was going to hand over someone like that, though. There's no show anywhere where any captain <laughs> would do that. So it is a good point as far as the calculus goes. But you would never see Kirk or Cisco or anybody be like, well, yeah, let's just hand them over uh, to these bad guys, these bounty hunters. I mean, that's one thing I love about Star Trek is that you get these characters who are in positions of power and have to make decisions that 
are concepts that come up in philosophy and in particular moral philosophy quite a lot. That's where you get like Kant or Mills or like all these different uh, approaches of what do you do? You know, it's like the trolley problem or, you know, how do you go about when a lot of lives are at stake and you have to make decisions? And we've seen this in all of the Star Treks. But I, as a viewer, that's one of the things I love about this show is because you're like, what are they going to do? What, even if you sometimes know, oh, they're not going to do that. Like, clearly they were never going to abandon Picard and Riker and that's it. But I still like to see that process. And you know, you've got a really great actor. That's where um, Patrick Stewart, I think, is just so brilliant is we've seen him navigate this sort of moral quandary place so well you can see the the journey of how he makes decisions and how he carries the the weight of some of those decisions in the aftermath so before we get too far down to the second episode so in the first episode they meet shaw at dinner and you know he's being an asshole um he started dinner without them he doesn't like picard's wine (laughs) you know all this (laughs) stuff and he also makes that uh rude comment about seven and picard both being ex-borg which is very traumatic for both of them but then Picard is trying to get them, trying to get him to go on this mission. He's like, "Oh yeah, we'll just we'll go by DS eleven or DS four, whatever he said." And he was wrong. He was confused about which deep space station was there. And then in the second episode, he sets up those transporter scramblers. But then when they're trying to beam out, they forget that the transporter scramblers are on. That was hard for yeah. me to watch. Like, really, guys? Because now you have Picard, Riker, and Jack. Yeah. All All of them forgetting. And I get there's the nature of the situation, but all these people have been in these situations before. And if you lose your head, then you don't survive. So, Well, it makes me wonder if they're writing in that Picard is is getting confused. But they gave him that synthetic body. So in the last episode of The Next Generation, it was All Good Things, it's called. That's the one where Q is making Picard travel through time to the past and to the future. And future Picard is degenerating and is confused about a lot of things. So it seems like they could be doing that with this, but then that would mess up season one where they gave him a new body, which takes care of all that degenerate stuff. So yeah. I don't know I don't know where they're going, but they, they do seem to be making him purposely confused, and it's kind of hard to watch. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, so they go on, on this adventure. They do all this stuff, and then the, the bad guy shows up. So the bad guy's ship is very powerful. Looks looks like two different ships to me. It looks like the bad guy Shinzon ships, Tom Hardy's ship from Nemesis, um, mm-hmm. which was called the Shimitar, which was the, they gave the exact same rundown. They had him do a scan and it had all these weapons. So that was very similar. And then it also looked like um, the ship in, um, what's his name? J.J. Abrams? Yeah. Yeah. Not him. Who's... Um, Eric Bana. Uh, Eric Bana's yeah, ship. That's yeah. what I remember. Yeah. Because I, I, there's just that scene when he fir- when the, that ship first comes in and it's just so austere and, and just... You've got this like, holy crap. And, and just the angles. Right. But both those ships, Eric Bana's ship and Tom Hardy's ship were Romulan ships. So that's what makes me wonder if this is somehow going to be connected to a Romulan story or whatever. Maybe this is premature for us to talk about it too much now, but isn't that a little cliche? Like Romulans are always kind of the bad guy here. I mean, well, it's their fault for making the ship look like Romulan ships, (laughs) but uh, Honey Bunny's human apparently, um, and she's a bounty hunter. But somebody's got to be giving her that stuff, right? Like, how is she going to get all those weapons? Yeah, so Honey Bunny is Vedic or Vatic. And Amanda Plummer 
is Christopher Plummer's daughter. Which I just learned. We just, yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. I can actually see it, though, and it makes sense, but... Well, some interesting trivia. Christopher Plummer is in Star Trek VI. He's the main bad guy. And they play their characters very similarly. Hmm. So he is a Klingon, so they're obviously not related or whatever, the characters. But he laughs and delights in the chase and all the stuff the way she's acting too so she's probably doing a homage does he smoke um i don't think so but he quotes shakespeare <laughs> <laughs> so if she starts doing that then we know she's definitely uh giving a tribute to her father but yeah so they they square off i didn't really like that the titan with a name like titan was kind of so overpowered you'd think like a federation ship is supposed to be pretty badass but they're like, oh, we can't win this fight, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I guess this thing's just armed that way, and she knows it. She throws the other ship at it, which was, I don't know, that was new in Star Trek. I don't know how I feel about it, but I guess it was kind of coolish. Well, and do shields not protect against something like that? Like, Right, yeah, I don't know. It obviously hit the hole and caused damage, but not that much damage because they still took off. And so it was, oh, it was, throughout the episode, like you said before, like the dilemma they have, I was like, all right, how are they going to get out of this? They obviously can't hand over Jack, but they can't win the fight. But it turns out the answer is pretty simple. They just run into the nebula, which is going to be hard to find. And there's plenty of precedent for that. So, you know, the Wrath of Khan has a big nebula fight and Insurrection has a big nebula fight and best of both worlds. So they're going to obviously use that. You mentioned the way Riker sits down in his chair before. That's called the Riker maneuver. <laughs> but there's a different Riker maneuver. So here's what I'm predicting. They're going to use the actual Riker maneuver to get out of this fight. And that was the strategy that Riker employed in Star Trek Insurrection to beat the bad guys in the nebula. So he did a technique and Jordy goes, "This if this works, this is going to be called the Riker maneuver. Um, so I think they're going to do that to get out of this. And do you think that they'll have Jordy's... Um, daughter help <laughs> do the Riker maneuver because part of me is now that you've just explained all this I did not know any of this yeah. I'm like oh god that's totally what's happening <laughs> yeah they might so there is a lot of fan service in these two episodes that a casual viewer might not watch but there's a lot of but that's where I actually think there's gold here for the season three yeah that we're here for those Easter eggs and it's still going to translate to people who've never seen any of this before. I mean, God, they, people don't even need to have seen Picard seasons one and two, I think for this, they can just jump in. It's like a standalone. Um, but I love hearing what you're saying here. This is fun for me and it will continue to be fun even after the season's over and the way we rewatch other episodes and seasons of, of, of other shows, this will be fun because there's always like something more to catch or to learn. Yeah, there's a bunch of, um, I mean, the music is the main one, but then in the opening scene with Picard where he's talking to Laris, they show a lot from the show. Like he has this flute from the Inner Light, which is a very good episode. And he has, um, there's a picture of the Enterprise D, which was his favorite. That's what the show was. They have that old communicator that was getting the message from, from Beverly. Then the kid's name is Jack Crusher. And there's all sorts of stuff that um, a fan would know. But anyway, so I'm predicting the Riker maneuver, but we'll see. You better sit in a chair like that at least once. I know, I know. They got it. They, they will. They got to put that in there somewhere. I, I guess I'll just say also the um, special effects. It's really nice that they've come along to movie quality. I don't know what kind of budget they have, but like just at a quick glance, the spaceships look good. The yeah, space, I mean space it's looks cool. Good. Like, so. but it, 
Uh, one of the things I was thinking yesterday is, you know, with a transporter, even though it's 2023 and we have special effects that are pretty amazing compared to like the 80s of the next generation uh, time, but I still like the sugar water special effect of the transporter, even if you're not doing it in the exact same way. I, I don't want too much change because yeah. it doesn't need to be. And, and I appreciate it that they haven't. They, they've they updated it, but still kept it to what we're used to. And, and I, I do appreciate that. Um, and it's funny because uh, when I was looking something up here, I was trying to remember all the people they brought back for Picard already. And, and in fairness, we've gotten, we've had like some really good notable characters like Q and Guinan and Data, even though as different, like Brett's, Spiner, Spiner, yeah, Spiner. Uh, is uh, brought back, which I appreciate, even if it's not the data that we know. Um, and am I missing some other good? Well, we already talked about Riker and Deanna were in it, but not uh, as a bigger role as some of these other ones. Oh were. yeah. Um, so I mean, it's not like this season is the first to kind of have more than just a cameo. Um, oh, and Seven of Nine, of course. Yeah. Um, so, but like. I kind of like the idea of, of mixing as many of these characters as we can where timelines do overlap. This is where you might know more than me. So like how we get Seven of Nine, who is from Voyager, but now she's mixing with the next generation. And like, could there be other characters? Um, oh, I know. I haven't looked into the casting at all because I want to be surprised if there's cameos. But yeah, it'd be great if they did a Chief O'Brien cameo or... Yeah, so before we wrap up, I guess... Um, we. We were going to do this podcast whether the show was good or bad because, um, you know, these people are going to die soon. <laughs> oh, uh, well, and I think the thing is, too, is we started doing this because it's just fun to do. You and I enjoy doing this about shows we enjoy. And it started with Game of Thrones where it was just we, it was just so much fun to talk about something um, together and... Then when House of the Dragon came, we resurrected it, and I remembered how much I enjoyed doing it with you. Yeah. And so this became an excellent opportunity for us to just do this again. It might be an entirely different audience for the five people who listen to the Game of Thrones. <laughs> Especially because I don't know how to add tags to the podcast, so you'd have to look for House of the Dragon to find, or you'd have to look for Game of Thrones to find this Star Trek uh, <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I think maybe we can work on this for you, and uh, like. Well, what I was going to say is that um, we could have podcasted about season one and season two, but they turned out to not be that great. So I'm glad we didn't. So hopefully this is better. But the first two episodes, I think, are pretty good. Yeah. I think it'd be worthy to podcast about and hopefully it won't end in um, disappointment. Oh, I guess one other question I'll ask. I feel like they probably have to kill a TNG character in this show. Probably at least one will have to go down. So who would you guess it would be? I am wondering if they will do it with Picard. Yeah. And this this is his final show. And that's why we're seeing some of the, like, maybe cognitive decline in some of that here and how it's touching base with the final episode of TNG. Um, I, I, I'm wondering, though, if, if, if this is such a success of bringing back some of these characters that will create spinoffs for them. Um, yeah, and, and I'd the, love to see a Captain Riker show, but I don't know. He might I would love old. to see a Worf show. Yeah. That is one that I always would have been interested in because he is my favorite Klingon ever. Uh, I just, I love me Lieutenant Worf or whatever he is now. Um, but uh, well, if they did Riker Worf 
And seven of nine on the Titan. But I, I, I feel like, like they're setting this up. Yeah. They're getting a lot of these characters back. These actors are signing on to do this. And maybe some are only signing on for, you know, a cameo or a season. But I think what they're seeing is people are interested and want it. And there could still be great television with it. So I actually do suspect this might be the end of Picard. Um, and especially now that we live in this Game of Thrones era where you do kill off the main characters and figure out from where to go from there. So I think that could be one uh, there. Yeah, Picard's highest in my in my Deadpool. I don't think there's going to be another TNG-related show after this, but I would like to be wrong about that. But I, it, I think that could depend on how well-received this is. I think the hardest person for me to see die would be Riker. I would be upset if they killed him. I feel like it's got to be probably Picard if they kill someone. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to see Riker go. I, I feel pretty strong about I don't want to see Seven of Nine go, especially since a, a lot of character development and her coming into her own has been a huge thematic thing in the Picard series. Yeah, I think Seven is safe. Um, So uh, that, I it would bother me. I'm pretty sure Jordy's coming back. That one would bother me. It would bother me, Worf. Um, and then uh, I, I think it would also bother me. I'm, I'm not as emotionally connected to Crusher, as I am like Jordy and Worf, but uh, I think I would throw her in there as well. I, I, I don't really know where Deanna is with yeah, some stuff no. here, so that's harder to... Picard and Worf are the two most likely, I think. Uh, and that's... I, yeah, please don't do that. Like, they would, they would just shoot themselves in the foot. But the same way, like, if they killed off any of these characters before and we could never have this show now. Yeah. I think if this season goes over well, I almost wonder if they did this season because of the cameos, and those might have been the highest rated episodes from Picard that maybe lent to the idea that we need to do more of this or we need to to flesh out some of these characters that are already established rather than the way that they're reinventing Brent Spiner as an actor and that sort of thing. So, um, but, uh, oh, it, it's weird to think about it in that way, but I wouldn't be surprised and I could handle Picard's death. All the other ones would probably bother me. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Off to a solid start. We'll try to be out in a timely manner.